Welcome to this episode of Head in a Box. I'm your host, Murphy. Uh, I'm joined by the ever-lovely and talented co-host... Caitlin Watson. Um, and today we have a wonderful guest. I'm super excited. Um, Stephanie Morgan is a musician and a vocalist. And in the voiceover world, in the voice acting world, she is known as Chloe Taylor. Uh, we're super excited to have her. We're going to talk about all the different hats she wears. Welcome to the show, Stephanie Morgan. Hi, thanks for having me. So I remember when we were first meeting in the music scene in like 2003 through like 2006 or something like that, I kept hearing about you doing voiceover. And I was like, oh, wow, she does voiceover? I didn't even know that that was a thing. That I, You can do that here? When was When was it that you started your voiceover career? Oh, I am terrible with time, but I think... Uh, I mean, it's been like 15 years, so yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I started, um, you know, it turns out Asheville has two really big players in the voiceover um, yeah. sphere. Right, right here in Asheville, we've got, we've got Sunspots and Procom, which are That's big right. production houses. So, you know, you could get on their roster and um, be cast in anything from like commercials to explainer videos to... Um, uh, Act, acting, you know, games. character kind of roles. Right. Sometimes games, yeah. Okay. They're mostly, um, you know, there's kind of the, there's like the voice acting side and the voiceover side, which we can okay. get into. But um, yeah. the voiceover, uh, the difference between the two is voiceover, you're, I'm playing myself. Mm -hmm. And voice acting, I'm playing a character with a name that has their own kind of personality and character right arc. Um, so most of my bread and butter until recently has been voiceover. And uh, and Procom, I guess I talked with Jim Knuth at Procom, who um, is still there and is still my buddy. And uh, he, we were playing at Bellshare. If, if for those oh. of you who remember that festival, <laughs> uh, Bellshare had been running, you know, free public festival. Two hundred thousand people, I think, over the weekend would come. It was all downtown um, until the downtown owners got kind of sick of it because tired of people peeing and puking in the streets absolutely and the, yeah What's i think wrong they with called that? it <laughs> i don't see anything wrong with that i mean we could just switch perspectives and have a whole other conversation yeah, right? about what constitutes a, a, a good life or an a good time. time a good time you know i think belshare was i don't know i'm just theorizing but i think it's was brought about to help bring business to downtown because yeah. at one point there right. wasn't a thriving downtown. No. And then all the business owners were like, we're doing great. We don't need this. The tips are worse during Bellshare, et cetera. So they stopped. But right. meanwhile, bands were able to just, um, you know, we played to these huge Thrive. crowds. Yeah. And, and people would come from all over the region. Mm -hmm. And so it was really cool because then we'd go on tour and see those same people. I mean, right. and, and so it was great. You sell lots of CDs. And it was like a time that you could, like, you know, hope to make – Mm -hmm. a living doing this and it was it was really cool but yeah. at it one of the build momentum it was like the pullback of the rubber band it was like bands would come and play mm -hmm. and then build momentum to take you off on tour <laughs> that's a mm. cool way to put it the yeah. pullback of the rubber band i yeah. like that <laughs> um yeah and uh but at one of the bell shares i remember having a conversation with jim knuth of procom who uh, said at the time they were trying to transform into a little bit more of a, a real person speaking vibe because they had a lot of announcers like the old school you know radio people that had, had transferred over with these really booming very polished voices and he was like we just need somebody to sound like your best friend mm -hmm. and he said do you want to come in and 
train with me. And I was like, oh. I don't even know what voiceover is. Well, I had no idea what a break that was. Look I mean, out. it was just nobody gets that. You know, it was just a really super sweet break. And I didn't, you know, even after six weeks of doing that with him, they did my demo for me, which is, you know, upwards to thousands of dollars if yeah. you're going to have someone do that. Um, it was just a real wonderful thing. And um, and even even after that, you know, we were we were touring and I didn't know if I wanted to interrupt that <laughs> for, for a voiceover, but it turns out that that was just such a, it created this basis for me to, um, you know, now I, I work with private clients and, um, and agents and whatever, and, and just, it's such a bread and butter of my life so that I can do other creative projects and not put the pressure on those creative projects to sustain me mm -hmm. financially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like you wear a lot of hats. Like you've always kind of worn a lot of hats, right? But it's always been based in creativity. And so to be able to go on tour and not make much money, because like, let's yeah. just be let's real. Be like it was, it's not a great, it's not a very lucrative <laughs> career to go into. <laughs> but to have that sort of stable thing that also has lots of flexibility is kind of huge. It is huge. I mean, it's, it, it's been great, though I haven't toured in a while. I mean, and this is the the <laughs> this is yeah. the double edged sword. Is I was telling Murph earlier, you know, once I crawled into my little hole, which is the the, the voiceover, right? <laughs> you know, there's a certain. I was also doing some screen acting, like you, Murph. But once you get behind a microphone and there's nobody looking at you, and you can do it in your pajamas, and you're at home, <laughs> and there's your job, and it, you know, it's a it, it's a very addictive loop. And um and it's fun. Yeah. Like so fun to do. And I'm I in my pajamas my right now. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're wearing All pants. I'm already last time you weren't wearing yeah, pants. Last session I didn't wear pants. <laughs> I appreciate you this, this time. It's, a, it's family. Pulling it, it's a family show. Pulling it together. It's a family show. <laughs> um yeah, well let's talk about that. Kellen brought up creativity. Um I want to talk about, so yeah, obviously voiceover, which you were clear on there, like voiceover is like your own voice. So what like voicing for like an educational spot yep. or yeah some kind of training video an app a kiosk a commercial uh, a business to business um communication of some time where there's this really specific technology that this company needs but they don't really understand that they need it <laughs> yeah. so i've got to present to them the problem that they have that right. this other company's trying to solve so yeah it's other people's words on a page that i must don as my own skin and bring to life and then what is it is it, it's just you right but there's technique of course right so like pinch of joy factor like emphasizing the product what did you just say what a pinch what of joy factor. Pinch of joy factor? Yeah. What does that mean? A, a pinch of joy factor. So, like, you're doing oh. a commercial in the acting world. Like, all commercials have to have some joy factor. Pinch of joy? I. This is the best phrase. Thank yeah. you. So, I look at it like, so, if you were really sitting here talking about really boring scientific oh. medical supplies, right? And you could be like... This is a thing that does a thing, and you put it in the hook, and you do the thing, and you twist it around, and that's where you get the thing. 
But if you just put a pinch of joy factor into it, right, then it's like the thing oh that goes God. in here does the thing. And then, that it, right? Like. So you have to, whether you're aware of it or not, you must, you know, you do that, right? I mean, that's the thing in commercials, right, that attracts you're people. Right. You're it's, right. It's a the positive. Sparkle. Yeah. Because if we, we, you know, so like, yeah. Yeah. So well, I, 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 okay. So I got a little comment on that. Uh, that factor that you're talking, you can see that in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. There's this, um, I think when a lot of, when people think of commercials, well, I will say when my voiceover students have, have come to me and, and sit down and read a script for the first or second time, they read it like they think a commercial person would read it. And there's this sort of saccharine quality to it, right? right. It's like there, there's a, a, uh, you can f see the application. You can feel the application of the pinch of joy, right? right They're right, like, right. it's an impression. <laughs> like, Here's almost. what a commercial sounds like, right? Yeah, an interpretation. <laughs> yeah, almost. Yeah. And I had a hard time at first with that too because I was like playing the part of someone. Play. It was so meta, right? And and I was like, I've got to find a way to actually handshake with this thing, with this right. these words, and find my own authentic pinch of joy. Right. And uh, that was a hard transition to make because I was like, well, what is it that's authentic about this script for me? You know, right. like, wh why do I want to be doing, obviously I want the paycheck. Obviously, you know, there's reasons to be doing it, but. Um, In the but moment. Like, yeah. Like, but what, like, am I really willing to mind meld with this writer to like, Ha, like help them bring forth this thing. Am I a hundred percent on on the team, or am I seventy five percent on the team and twenty five percent just giving my check? I know how to do this. Sitting you know? on the bench. Yeah. So like, then once I was like, I have to be fully immersed in this. Then then I was like, okay, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Am I willing to do this commercial for whatever? You're like, do I believe in this thing? So I could only choose the scripts that I believed in. You know, I mean. It's hard to do at first because you of don't. Course. You only get what you get, you know, yeah. um, and you have to go through some chops, chops forming. So you got to do a lot of stuff and Fill figure out what you hate and what you, you know, what what you can put through the filter of your human body, right? And and not puke. You know, yeah. you got You got to be like, what is what feels okay to do? But man, it's that is that's the process right there is yeah. to be like can i marry with this yeah you know well that's the thing about i say about the joy factor because now it, it's like when i first started doing commercial auditions in la it's like i mean you can ask my wife she's sitting right here for me to pretend to be in a good mood when i'm not is pr i'd rather have my feet scraped you know what i mean like <laughs> I, there's just there's so many other things I would rather do horrible than than actually pretend to be in a good mood when I'm not. So like you're in L.A. and you're driving through traffic and you're going from one commercial audition to another and everybody looks the same in the room. I walk in, I see 350 Murphs looking at me, you know, and it's like it's hard to be in a good mood, you know. But um, once you book your first like national commercial and again, you get that paycheck, then I was like, oh. I was like, I get it. I can Heat do this. Not so I can bad. do it. It's not so bad. But <laughs> the thing that's interesting about it is, and this is how I can relate to it, is I, I, I've worked with, you know, there's a lot of good voiceover talent in this town. Um, and, you know, I've known a lot of really cool voiceover actors. And 
I've had the privilege of having voice actors come to me as an acting teacher and be like, I think what's best for my voiceover career is if I get some acting lessons. Yeah. And then I've had voiceover actors come to me and be like, well, you're an actor. Like, you should just get in front of the mic and the segue. So it's, it's just an interesting thing because I heard you say at the beginning, like, voiceover is you and then voice acting is a character well it's also it's you. still I mean, you yes, exactly uh, right. yeah yeah and we could talk yeah the, there's right. the finer points of all that but as to, yeah just in terms of like the the basic description and what do you enjoy most about voiceover which, yeah which well, one which the character one? or um well i like them for different reasons sure. but i'm i'm really crushing on voice acting right now. So I, I just got to do this um, series called The Hacker Chronicles, which is an yeah. audio drama podcast. And we did two seasons of that. So I worked with lots of different actors. I mean, the, 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 the shit is like working with other actors. I mean, that's just that's the since jam. acting school for me. Like just, I mean, that's where I just want to be always. Mm -hmm. To me, that was the ultimate community. And um, oh, yeah, anytime you get to do that. Can we go back for a second? When you were just now saying driving through traffic and you're in a bad mood, it's really hard to, like, get yourself in a good mood if you have to act like you're in a good mood. For both of you, this is a question. How do you access that? How do you access your joy, your pinch of joy? Um, so I do this this one thing for um, – I'm, I'm a voice of some slot machine. It's a slot play tournament – um, at a casino in Gulf Shores, Mississippi. And uh, I have to play these really, like, really big characters. And, like, I'll just go through a list of superlatives, right? It'll be, like, stupendous, right? <laughs> and just, like, all the way down the line, you scored 12, 20,000 points bonus, right? Yeah. And I'm the <laughs> rabbit or a whatever. Um, an elf. <laughs> and... Um, and you know, maybe I'm in a good mood. Maybe I just had a breakup. I don't know what. But I, so I get in the booth. But I now see it as um, a, like, a gift. Because it's like, I know I'm going to, I have to get there. There's something that happens with your nervous system. Like, I think all of us creatives, I mean, can we just, can, tell me, tell me your thoughts on this. Oh, I think ready. all of us creatives, right, we, I mean, we find a certain, uh, uh, pinch of joy, shall I say, in our brooding, in our, like when we're brooding, we don't really want to change that. We don't want to be cheered up. Like some part of us is like, yeah, like yeah. we're, we're like it down for warm. the journey, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so right. It's, it's like, I, I can be resistant in that way, but since, you know, I was doing like on a on a good on a good run i'm doing 15 20 sessions a week of this stuff and so it might be like five back to back and all different kinds of personalities or whatever so like it's just a rapid fire and they're only like one hour each so it's like rapid fire change right and something happens with your nervous system when you just have to go to that place and then you get a little more malleable you know and then it's like i i actually welcome the um the pinch of joy, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I'm just like, okay, I got to invite this in. And then afterward I can decide whether I want to go back to the, 
the brooding yeah. sullen cave the dark hole it's, it's dark therapeutic hole. almost it's personalizing for yeah, me yeah i mean it it just switches up something in the literally in the neural you know yeah. in the physiology yeah. something happens and i come out and i'm like whoa yeah interesting i, I like you know your body just feels kind of reoriented for a minute mm-hmm. yeah it, it's personalizing for me and it's a job at the end so like what what i always say like when if we're an artist as long as we've all been doing our art or different kinds of art or just living as an artist like you have to have a toolbox you especially if you're getting paid for it you got to be able to go in and do it so personalizing works for me as far as joy factor i'm usually in a bad mood if we're just being honest like (laughs) this is where my vibration usually (laughs) is for some reason but When I have to do a commercial, like, it's personalizing for me. And before I, I got married and had my lovely family, it, it was always hockey. Like, Wait, say it, more about personalizing. Personalizing. So, like, think of things in the moment. I use this for all levels of acting. So it's like I, I can real personal moments from my life. We all have them, like, good or bad, up or down, that, like, you can think about certain Mm. moments or nostalgic feelings or thoughts or smells or sounds where it triggers something super real and deep. So as an actor, that is just one tool for me. So if I have to do joy factor, now it's usually my kids, my wife, you know, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's, you know, family, things that we really like. And it doesn't take me long. I can close my eyes on set or in front of a camera and in an audition and I can just kind of put myself there. And and then I can say it doesn't, the words don't really matter. What's on the page to me never really matters. It's more about, W- the thoughts and the feelings that I'm generating. Your countenance. Yeah. Your brain. And sometimes it's that. It's emotional. Sometimes it's physical, like generated with breath. You know, if I want to cry, I can... <laughs> you know, you start some breath going, I can already feel my eyes start to weld. It's absolutely physical. You know what yeah. I mean? But I've been acting my whole life, so I have a toolbox I can go to when I'm on set, and mm-hmm. the it's $150 million a minute, and there's lots of pressure, and pressure cookers on and everyone's staring at yeah i could take a deep breath and be like oh i've got this yeah toolbox mm-hmm. acting school acting, acting school yeah, life acting experience it's yeah so it's so important because yeah. you you stretch your um you, you, your emotional landscape mm-hmm. like a rubber band like you're constantly just like learning the inside of you mm-hmm and yeah. I think therapy is also a great Here we are um, again. Yep. Tool. True. Again, do we, uh, have every we talked guest, about this before? Every guest, every <laughs> artist talks thing. about the importance of therapy. And it every is. Every single artist. It's so true. Oh, my God. And because I, there's so agree. much more in, you know, like we talk about, we don't use uh, like mm-hmm. all of our brains, but we don't know all of our emotions. All I, the stuff in there, right. Yeah, I mean, I have considered for, forever. I always think of myself as kind of like a navigator of emotions and someone you know whose creativity depends upon mining emotions and all this. And yet, in any given romantic relationship, when pressed to give an I statement <laughs> about how I am feeling, I literally can come up with like seven feeling words total in, yeah. the, in all yeah. of my, you know, this is the extent of my <laughs> vocabulary. So, like, I, you know, I'm like, I don't know how I'm feeling right now. I'm right. just starting to understand this. Right. Um, I like mining for emotions. I do, too. I like that. Yeah, but, it, but it's always been, uh, yeah, I can feel some emotional place, but that doesn't mean I know how to give words to it. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. I really have sat with it long enough to understand what that emotion mm is yeah and the nuance you know because like uh i feel satisfied is different than i feel happy 
I feel joyful is different mm. than I feel satisfied. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so true. I feel like I don't speak like English is not my first language. Sometimes whenever yeah. I'm like having emotional moments, I'm like, is this word or is it this word? How do you say? Um, yeah. Yeah. And acting is all about like a character identifying what the character wants. I do it all day long right. with my students and we just go from what do you want? Oh, get more specific. Get more specific. Like, mm. what do you want? Like, how, does that can you connect to that emotionally? Can you go get that right now? Now go get it. Now I'm in a relationship, and Kellen will be like, "What do you want right now?" And I'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> "You know what I mean?" And be like, "Come on, just tell me what you want." Well, I uh, don't. Um, let me. Uh, can I get on stage? Can, are we rolling? Uh, you know that is something about acting. I think that I don't know. How do you feel about this? That. There's something that makes it the stakes a little less high than, say, your primary, most important relationship in your life that allows you to explore places that you can't do on the spot with a partner. You know, with a partner, mm -hmm. you can really do some damage mm -hmm. if you're yeah. if you're not right. If you're, you know, when you venture a, a, a response or a you know initiate Impulse. something yeah. yeah like you you can just really you can really hurt something mm -hmm. but in acting it's it's a play place you know it, yeah, it's right. all about the impulse and it's never about the dull moments so yeah. like theater and movies and books and even songs like any dance pieces like all of the real performance art and book i mean all the storytelling it's all storytelling but we don't we don't you're not going to write a song, a five-minute song, where the person wakes up happy, and in the middle they're happy, and at the end they're still happy. You know what I mean? No one's going to write that song. No yeah. one's going to watch that movie. No one's going to read that book. There has right? to be a It's got to be the heat. It's all the yeah. heat. Watch movies now. Like Within the first six seconds of a movie, the world is literally exploding. <laughs> you know what I mean? And everyone's so running for their lives in six seconds. You get like, here are my leads, and I'm following them. No, here we go. You know, and that's it. And buckle up, and you're going. There's no dull moments, <laughs> you know? I remember when I watched um, uh, Breaking Bad, and <sighs> then uh, right afterward, I watched Downton Abbey. <laughs> Nice. So it's all I about had balance. To it's all about balance. <laughs> yeah, uh, somebody, you know, it's just like the way it happened. And um and I had to really recalibrate my sense of like the stakes. You know, cuz Breaking Bad was like, <laughs> you know, like every second you're just like, who's going to whose face is am I going to see the right. inside mm -hmm. of right. today? And then and then Downton Abbey was like the highest stakes were like, are we going to lose our giant castle and have to live in a giant mansion instead? That's a bummer. <laughs> I'll have to lose the yacht. You want to hear a funny story about Breaking Bad? Kellen, Kellen and I jumped into Breaking Bad late, and uh, we, we were we had didn't have kids yet, and so like we were binging probably like five episodes yeah. in a night. Ridiculous, like yeah. ridiculous. Maybe three. I don't know about. Five. Oh, I don't know. Really it felt. Great. I mean, we were watching it during the day. We were watching it at night. Like any I, free moment we had, we were really <laughs> obsessed with it, and it started to crawl into my head space Psyche. a lot. I was doing a Zoom session with an <laughs> actor in our living room, and Kellen was in there. We had a small place and was divided with a little privacy screen so Kellen could still move around. And I started working with the Zoom student, and I started telling a story. And I, before I realized it, I was telling a story like it was my real life. And I was like, yeah, my friend, and he has cancer, and he had to kind of give up his teaching job. And... <laughs> He's kind of he's kind of going after some other lines of work, and it's 
And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, am I talking about Breaking Bad right now? I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm talking, I'm telling a story. And I really, really thought, like, what was my buddy? And I was about to be like, ah, but he got really good at cooking drugs. And like, oh, he's got this little rat kid that hangs out with him. It's amazing. It's really turning things around. I did that too. I did it like, I, I, there's, there's this other kid that like I was, it wasn't as deep as yours, but it was like referencing Jesse as if I knew him. From he like went to high school with me or something. We yeah. felt like we knew Jesse. We did. Though, oh, right? yeah. We did. He was so good at that role. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. He was he was my favorite thing about that show. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think he was the he was the emotional what channel of that yeah. show, right? I mean, he, he was, was the, the kid. Like, the, he was the one like affected by er- like yeah. Oh, oh god. Yeah, we, just, we all felt for we poor Jesse. Poor Jesse. Poor Jesse. <laughs> my my good old Jessie. buddy. Good buddy. <laughs> I'm kind of curious about you if if you're voice acting process when you when you get um, a part mm-hmm. and the way that you create this character in your part how similar is that to some of the ways that you write songs or is it completely different wow that's a really interesting question I didn't think about that just because as you know as artists like we tend to like dissect things like we have like a yeah. style of dissecting. Yeah, and we things. all have a process. I'm almost like superstitious in process as far as acting. Like I have certain things that I do or eat like on the morning of like Oh wow. Right. Oh, so yeah. but there's certain processes that we all have to get from A to B. So as a voiceover actor, you know, you wake up in the morning, you know you have an audition. Like, is there certain things that you do or don't do when you know you have an audition when you're getting ready to work? Um I totally want to know what you eat now. <laughs> oh, just on set, uh, scrambled eggs and bacon, like every morning. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just like it's a protein fix. I, I eat a lot of it because I never know when I'm going to eat again on set. You, you just know, fortify. I want to just get like, oh, in there. I never want to be hungry. Like <laughs> once I, get, it's bad news when I get hungry. You know. It so is. and when I'm on set, I just want to work. Uh, I yes. want to work at my best. I want right. my machine running. Yeah, at its best. that's probably the best way to do it. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, I have nothing special that I eat except that <laughs> I just constantly eat um, Ezekiel bread, raisin toast, nice. just mm. just all throughout the day. Mm-hmm. I have one at a time. I toast them. I, I put a little yeah. coconut uh, butter on it, but that is not a that's not a acting thing. It's just that's a just life a fun thing. fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, God, so I have. Never really been able to describe any kind of process. Um, it's sort of like trying to identify feelings. Um, <laughs> but uh, there is a real intuitive, like nebulous kind of a f- pathway that I feel. I'm trying to figure out, Kellen, that, that this, like, is songwriting, is there something similar about songwriting and the way? Of developing a character because I wonder if there is, but I don't know right. if that's the case. Um, I mean, I think. Well, maybe it'd be more similar to like learning a song that's already been written. Well, Ooh, that yeah, it might be closer yeah. to that. Yeah, because yeah, I love the process of doing like a cover because, yeah. and my whole thing is always like, do I feel me in this? And if if like yeah, do I have something I can add to this or whatever Mm -hmm. bring to this that relates to me and I'll just amplify that part of me Mm -hmm. and and give that back so like um with the hacker chronicles I I there's this character Alice and uh she's like a barista that's down on her 
luck and she's a pianist, but she gets performance anxiety. So she um, blows her fellowship um, audition and then finds herself hard up for money and kind of takes up hacking. And I can relate to um, the performance anxiety. Mm -hmm. I can relate to something being really high stakes, but maybe feeling like you're not good enough for it. So kind of sabotaging the thing. Mm -hmm. I can relate. And none of that do I go through, I think, consciously in terms of like, writing it down what is what do right, i relate right. to about the character right. you know but there's some kind of like i can just feel it like that part Intuitive. of me kind of lights up or mm -hmm. heats up or whatever and um so then i just get sort of an impression from there of what she might be like and i can just sort of feel her sort of from an internal place and um probably that's what's happening with doing cover songs yeah is, yeah, there's a certain part of me that maybe the song sounds really different than me. Maybe a man mm -hmm. sang that song, mm -hmm. wrote that song, but um, but there's some part of me that feels it, so I'm like, oh, I can also be part of this conversation. Mm -hmm. Do yeah. you change? Now, now, I can ask both of you this, because I do this a lot with acting, but, like, if you're doing a cover, like, do you find yourself, like, changing subtext of the line to make it work for you? So, like, if it was written about a man singing about something that doesn't relate to you personally, like, can you change subtext? You mean, like, change actual lyrics or change? No, the line remains the same, meaning. but, like, your meaning underneath. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Because yeah. I do that I mean, in acting all the time. I'll read a line and I'll be like, yeah, it says the words may say this, but it would be way more interesting right. if I'm saying, like, what the example I give, we can all say love you, I love you, right, and mean yeah. fuck you. Yeah. And we can all say fuck you and mean I love you. Right. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. I think humor. it's. <laughs> oh, fuck you, Stephanie. God, that felt good. I think that I do it. I've done it my whole life subconsciously more so. Because, like, <laughs> you know, like, I'll listen to a song. I can't think of an example right now, but I'll listen to a song all my life and think it, it means one thing. And then <laughs> I'm an adult and it's suddenly like, oh my gosh, this whole time it meant a completely different thing. So like maybe. Back that yeah, ass up. Yeah. <laughs> Back that, that's it. That's the one. That was the song. <laughs> I thought it meant something completely different. It's bad. I really did. a centerpiece of her life. I just thought it was about a moving truck. I just, I didn't know. <laughs> you heard the beep, yeah, beep, I mean, beep. Yeah. That so much depends on where you're at in life too, right? Because right. like as a kid, I would hear things and not get the like romantic yeah. nuance yeah. or the, the like. You know, yeah, and like back that thing up. You might not know when no. you're seven. <laughs> you don't. You don't know anything. Seven, yeah. <laughs> I was seven years old. Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> I just, I just always think of you as being seven whenever <laughs> anything happened to me as an adult. Just up there, <laughs> playing guitar, yeah, no, singing our heart that's out. That's really interesting, though, about the subtext. Uh, subtext. I feel like I probably should do that more because I've done it a little bit. Um, I just naturally will do it. I'm sure you do too. Like I just naturally start trying to like relate to it however I can in a lyric. But like I don't I don't know if I consciously do it. Um and I probably should. Well it, it's just I, it's a different thing, you know. I, I like to relate acting to musicians and dancers, like perform all the performance arts. Um and for me most of what I do is someone else's words. 
for the most part. Yeah. So when you guys are musicians, you guys are songwriters. So a lot of what you guys do, you write songs, you do covers as well, but like you guys create a lot. I do write too, but a lot is someone else's words. So I'm constantly looking at words mm -hmm. and trying to figure out a subtext or personalize it or, you know, how can I tweak this and, you know, put a different tool on it and twist it in a way that no other actor, especially when we're talking auditions. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. auditions, it's all about, I'm always looking at, like, what is everyone else going to do, mm. the trap they're all going to fall into, and how can I do something? And sometimes that may cost me the job. Mm -hmm. It's more interesting to me. It's more fun to me. But sometimes I look at it, I'm like, I know exactly what they want. That doesn't seem like much fun. <laughs> and you want to have fun. And I want to have fun, so I'll usually that's send them to, you know. Yeah. Here's the one that's fun, and this is the one that I think you wanted. You, you guys, <laughs> you check this one out. And the other one is like, yeah, I'll do what you want. Yeah, but you're using you yeah. the whole time. Always you're, you're me. You're going like, I start these with are me. versions of me. Is that yeah. how you think of it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, here's, here's the things. I look at a character, and I go, here are all the things. I, here are the boxes I can check that relate to me right out of the gate. Mm. age demographic you know just the things and then then you start to get into their head you know and like okay yeah i have that and i'm a little like that and i have those things yeah i'm not from here but you know i am from here and i but you know what i mean like i'm always just trying to feel figure out as much of myself i can apply to it and then the rest of it's imagination but creating a human from scratch to me that just seems like that's just who can do that well i wonder who even does that i mean it, like are you talking about like when you're writing original material and you're creating either a script or a song or yeah whatever? i mean i i feel like i get actors a lot who say things like i want to be an actor so i can be someone else mm. that's not where i fit into the craft like i'm never trying to be someone else i'm trying to be yeah. myself in different situations because yeah. You contain multitudes. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think this is what we're all learning, right? right. In therapy. <laughs> <laughs> that there are so many versions of me that why do I need to play someone who comes from a different country, a different, you know, why right. do I need to yeah. play a Canadian who right. has an abusive father who, Where you there's know, And you're yeah. saying why? Because there's probably a Canadian who can? Well, yeah, <laughs> or someone who can, and, and maybe I can relate. So I used to be a social worker. That was a life before um, all this. Uh, I have a master's in yet social work with a concentration in mental health. Another and I can't hat. name my feelings. Um, but <laughs> That's it. Classic. <laughs> we used to say, uh, um, I, I, you know, when, when I, I worked mostly with kids um, in adoptions, foster care, that sort of thing, and you know, we'd have these kids that came from backgrounds that were so much more intense than maybe mm. we had, we, the social workers sitting at the table, the well-meaning people, you know, had, had experienced. And, um, but the advice was always, you know, I, I may not have experienced this in degree, but I have experienced it, the emotions in kind, because we've all experienced all of the emotions. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows what it's like to feel violated Everyone knows what it's like to feel sad, left out, um, mm -hmm. neglected mm -hmm. in some way. And yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I think we can all relate yeah. to something. But if you're not, yeah, I am a little suspect of, of an actor that, that wants to, that wants to achieve that, that critical, um, the, 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 
the critics saying you couldn't even tell it was her, you know, yeah. like yeah. I, yeah. Why, why? Yeah, and then you know the actors that I respect most, you know, I'm, you know, like Robert De Niro. There's you always there's always a piece of Robert De Niro in there, you know. For Al Pacino. Sure. There's always a little piece of him in there. Dustin Hoffman. Like there's always these, the actors that I kind of looked at growing up. Like I was just like. Yeah, they're they're playing different roles. They're playing different ages from different places. Like, but there's always a little bit of them in there. I don't know. That's mm. that that's the work for me. All right, cool. We'll be back with Stephanie Morgan, aka Chloe Taylor. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Head in a Box is brought to you by the Actors Center of Asheville, located in Black Mountain, North Carolina. The Actors Center of Asheville is a professional acting school, allowing artists to train in a safe environment, both in front of the camera and on stage. Private coaching and audition shooting available. Visit us online at theactorscenterofashville.com and schedule your interview for class today. The Actor Center of Asheville. Train. Create. Book. Welcome back to this episode of Head in a Box. I want to talk a little bit about Pink Mercury. Yeah. And that is your, if I'm correct here, it's an improvisational band? Yeah. All right, so tell me a little bit, because I love uh, about, I love improvisation. I love everything about that. I want to know more about it. Well, um, we've really been doing it for like six years now. Mm-hmm. Um, after I stopped doing Stephanie's Id, which is where I, the, the pop noir band that where I actually wrote songs, um, I didn't know really what I wanted to say I was going through a divorce it was a a a very changing kind of time and I tend not to be able to write about anything until it's kind of passed and wrapped up um at least stories wise about my life but I was like I wonder if there's a way I can write about things that are happening now but I would write a song and then it'd be like two weeks later I'd feel differently about it I mean it was just such a up and down kind of time and so, um, within Stephanie's Day, we actually did a lot of improvisation. Like, we'd write the song, but then in, in performance, there'd be this kind of, like, majorly extended um, outro section where we would just, I'd just sing random stuff, and it'd be a lot of syllables and whatnot. And that was really fun on tour, because it made the, the shows always really different, and the songs always different, and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you learn stuff as you're doing it. It's kind of like a yes and process, right? Like improv comedy. Right. Um, so I was like, all right, well, uh, what, and that's how we would invent a lot of songs too. in that band is we would just play around, Chuck would play around with some chords, Tim would play around with the beat, you know, just, uh, come, come up with stuff. And, um, so I was like, well, I, I, I came upon these, um, really great folks that were a lot of them were um part of midnight snack uh the band that came to Asheville that was also a pop band (laughs) that was sort of coming to Asheville at the time that Stephanie Zed was had broken up and then they disbanded pretty soon after that so anyway those guys were really great at improvising and um we just started getting together and jamming and it was so good to be able to, speaking of mining emotions, you know, whatever was going on right that day, right that moment, would come out. Um, and at first it was it was really very syllabic. There was just a lot of humming and singing and sketching, <laughs> if you will. Um, 
And then, you know, just slowly over time, like more words have been coming out. And it's always surprising. There's always like, wow, there's, wow, I didn't know I was angry. Yeah. I didn't know I was whatever that day. So um, we're still doing it. It's it's in the same kind of genre, I would say. I mean, it kind of m- moves around genres, um, but it is experimental. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it often does end up with verses and choruses um and then sometimes it's just sort of a there's a lot of sort of what's going to happen here we don't know this might be a train wreck or it might not sometimes someone comes in with something and someone else interprets it differently Mm. and so then you get this like okay well is the one here or is the one (laughs) here and then someone flips the beat but it's all right because improv comedy rules um you know, go with it. And so you got to, everyone has to show up. Um, the players that have come in and out of it, it's kind of a collective. Um, and the players that have come in have, have often been like, you know, it, you just have to bring a lot of presence. And so to, to me, it's a really meditative thing mm-hmm. where you're, you're just, you're just really there and you got to listen to what other people are doing and if you don't have an idea you have to be out which is hard for a musician to do it's hard not to play mm-hmm. so you you just it's sometimes it's like whoo this this took all of me just now you know and you got to take a little the breaks really mean something yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no, but I it's love been it. the, my favorite musical thing I've ever done yeah I bet I love it and it's, it's like very you, free we've been talking about mining emotions yeah but it mm. sounds like some of it's like purging emotions yeah. right yeah. like well yeah I mean I certainly feel it very viscerally yeah I mean it th- like th- I always used to think of myself as like a conduit for whatever energy is going on in the room or inside mm-hmm. me and just kind of like it comes together through my throat and out and yeah, in that sense, it, it does feel like it's kind of processing mm-hmm. and purging. I love it. No, I love it. And it, it's a, like an element of acting that like, it's that you say it's like everything in the room, you know, it's like what's happening over here and this sound over here and this feeling over here and this person has this feeling here. It's like my my, my approach to acting is like there's words on a page that we technically have to learn and then I, I try to learn and then forget, but everything else should be improv. In my opinion, yeah, everything else. If we're having a conversation and I'm like drawn by big red clown shoes that you might be wearing, like use it. I can't pretend like that's not happening down right. here. Yeah. You know, if your stomach growls or like somebody drops something over there, like everything's in play, right? And, and that makes it live and yeah. present and right. alive. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and it's I noticed I notice when I'm. Um, well, when I'm acting or singing, I'll notice times when I'm not doing that. Like if I'm really tired, um, I had a like a three-hour gig the other night, um, and we just did a duo here in Asheville, um, and it was like by the end of it, I could feel how, you know, I, I wasn't as alive and then I have to remind myself, like I've stu- like if I if I'm tired, bring that in. You know, don't right. don't act like. Don't just like recycle whatever's in the I don't know in the cash <laughs> in right. the mind. Um, Phone it in line, right? Yeah, y- you still gotta bring whatever you have, even if it's the weariness. Like you sort of have to surrender to all of that, not just the emotions you want to put forth. Right. 
love it. So with acting too, I think, oh, yeah. right? I mean, you just. If you, I to always say, if you're feeling anything as an actor, you're doing it right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, I mean, Kelly knows her time. We'll come in here. We'll shoot auditions. I'll be as usual in bad <laughs> mood. I, this is, I'm just going to use this right now. Like this is, yeah. this is it. This is what I got. And I'm not going to try to manipulate it or try to give anything else or pinch of joy. Fuck that. I'm like, <laughs> this is it right now. And then I'll generally watch it back and be like, you know, yeah, sometimes it works hours later. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be like, that was, there's something going on there. I at least. I know. love that. Cause like, I, you know, one thing, I mean, one reason I love the improvisational process and that having to bring whatever you've got or, you know, have it in order for it to be good and real and mm-hmm. alive is because in other ways in life, I try to control my situation. You know, I, tr- I, I, I'm, I'm trying to steer how it goes. Right. And so like the antidote to that is remember not, not control, you know, like right. yeah. don't just put forth the, the, the set of the subset of things I want other people to see about me, you know, if I'm in a bad mood, then that's that's real too. That's yeah. truth too. That's truth. So yeah. So if I don't bring that in, and I'm like, oh no, I'm the girl who's in a good mood because that's what I was trained I was just in some say way that. when it's I was like, a kid. You know, were you raised in the South? I can't remember. You're no, all over, it would right? Seem so. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's, it's like. A, it's a thing that like maybe it's a female thing more so than. Like, just to put the smile on. Yeah, I mean, you let's know? talk about that. Because yeah. that is huge. Like, yeah. yeah, I think it's a female thing. I mean, does our culture not t- teach women, just implicit, it's just mm. in the water, you know, mm. to be um, a certain Authentic. set of things. I mean, and probably men, too, are taught to be a right. certain set of things. There's Absolutely. a certain set of the emotional spectrum that women that is that is attractive and appropriate for a woman to display exactly. happiness. Um, Society says women should be seen and not heard, and men should be strong and show no vulnerability. Yep. That, yeah, I think that's a broad. Yeah, very broad. Like broad you smile, look pretty, keep your mouth shut. Men, be strong. Never, never show any weakness. And then, like, as on a human level too, like we're all just supposed to brush it off. We're just talking from an artistic point of view, and like I only say that as broadly and as clearly as I just said it is because, as an acting teacher, as we said earlier, I'm always looking for the opposite. What the opposite of everyone's gonna choose. So in my acting classes, I go, I teach the opposite of society's restraints. So Mm. instead of what I just said. I teach men to be vulnerable and women to own their power. Mm. And I feel like if you do those things as an actor, you automatically stand out against society's norms. Well, because we're all so pre-programmed. Yeah, it's it's all about rewiring. So if you have yeah. a scene where a lot of actresses are going to play the victim, it's way more interesting for those small percentages of actors actresses who look at that and be like, fuck that. I'm going to find the power in this scene. Mm. And vice versa, where a man would be like, and you get someone, a male that shows extreme vulnerability. And I feel like those are the things that make, I don't know. That's the art I want to do. Yeah, Yeah, just a representation, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, on all levels. Mm -hmm. The stuff we get really early is, you know, maybe pre-verbally is the stuff that is just the hardest to shake. We just bring that into true everything it's so true 
Yeah, yeah. You and and there's stuff that I think I I don't want known to to myself. Like I don't want to see myself. It's just ego identity stuff. I I don't I don't want to see myself as someone who is angry. You know, right. I feel like I'm more evolved than anger. Totally. Or I see other people being angry, and I'm like, Ugh, amateur. Yes, <laughs> you know? exactly. So sorry. So sorry. <laughs> no, I know. You're so right, <laughs> though. There is something. Maybe it's because we're, we're all trying to, like, tap into our higher self. Or we're, we're, we're all trying to be evolved. And, yeah, and, and showing our true feelings. That's why it's beautiful that you have a, a space for that at, with Pink Mercury, too. You know, because it's like finding the appropriate space where you can feel okay about it at the end of the day mm-hmm. and you don't have to go oh man i have to call these five people now and apologize for <laughs> flipping that table it's a much safer environment phone call. i know right <laughs> sorry i flipped Stephanie. the table again <laughs> oh, i hate that call i know last time we had dinner i flipped the table too and i promise you i'm trying to quit <laughs> I noticed you used the paper plates this time. That was a smart move. <laughs> Keep the china away from the table. Yeah, it's important for us all to have our outlets as artists, I would say. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I guess, I guess, you know, that's funny. I don't even ever really think about that, right? That you give it its appropriate space, and then perhaps it doesn't come out other places. I would say in my life that's not necessarily true, that it doesn't right. come out in right. other places. I mean, of course. But it comes out in this way that's kind of masked. And I think mm-hmm. I can be a little bit more, um, you know, like there, like there's a way, speaking of anger, mm-hmm. to kind of like that comes out in little oh, passive yeah. ways or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there... But I think I'm just a lot more aware of it in the space, you know, where I'm, like, deliberately looking at uh, trying to surrender to, allow, humble myself to the entire spectrum of emotion. I love that. Yeah. I'm always, as an actor, I'm super jealous of musicians and dancers and painters to a degree because I feel like, I mean, I'm generally confined to a script, you know, and like, mm. and I feel like, uh, if I, I mean, just because I, I can relate to it. When I was in L.A. for a few years there, I was a lead singer of a punk band. And it was, talk about purging emotions. I want to hear that band. Oh, man. <laughs> um, no, Actors but it, are it, always trying to be musicians. I oh, love yeah. That. <laughs> it is. It's so great. But, but I feel like we're, we're like, you know, uh, there, there's an element, especially um, being on camera. The camera's a magnifying glass. So it's like everything has to be kind of scaled down. So. There's freedom in the emotions, but it, it, it it's more of like funneling the emotions. Mm. You know, you got to mine them and then kind of funnel them in, and through then the structure that yeah, you're given, and then you know present the space for them to be able to come out. But I, you know, you get up on stage and like want to Jim Morrison out one night, and like <laughs> it's you know you, if they'll call you back for another gig is debatable, but you might feel pretty good afterwards you know <laughs> but like painters too and dancers you know it's so physical i guess like there's an element of it that's just so extremely physical and vocal but for actors a lot of times it's this it's like sitting in front of the camera really close up and trying to channel it microscope yeah mm-hmm. and and as kids we're like we're so free and we can get on a stage i mean like maybe not all kids but like sort of inherent to us to just be open and like let all our stuff show all the time impulse impulse control is not really 
tuned in yet and we haven't been domesticated yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of it too as an adult when we're able to kind of like tap into that place at the beginning of our lives where we were more free. I mean, if we had the luxury of being free, because not all of us did. But, like, yeah, being able to kind of tap into that, it, it feels therapeutic in a way, I would say. Yeah. We're, we're um, remembering the whole, maybe, mm-hmm. the whole us. Yeah. Yeah, freedom. This is... Curiosity. That's the real thing when we're talking about kids. It's all, it oh, it yeah. all comes yeah. down to curiosity. Yeah. And I think Ooh. to be an artist at all, you have to be curious. And yeah, I think and in general, as a society, we should be programming ourselves to find, seek out, and share curiosity as much as humanly possible. Well, isn't that the kind of like the definition of freedom is the uh, liberty to explore your own curiosity mm-hmm. yeah. moment to moment? Absolutely. Yep. And yeah. And how often do we not do that? How often are we like, no, that's not really the path that's acceptable here or that's not really the path that, you know, I, I want to allow right. for myself. Do I want to open that channel up? Right. It's so true. Well, we do as artists, right? I mean, we've already kind of hit on all this, but it's like how often as an artist do you not know what happens next? And mm. y- you're looking for that. I, as an actor, I am looking for the moment where I don't know what happens next. <laughs> I can look yeah, at a script all day. I know how it ends. I, I mean, I, I know what happens. I, I know Luke Skywalker is Darth Vader's. I, mean, I know that happens. <laughs> you know, but at, when you're in it, though, as an actor, you almost got to trick yourself to, like, be in yeah. this moment and not know where it goes. Yeah. You know? right. and when you find the moment of, like, I don't know what's happening next. I don't know what's going to happen. That free fall of, like, and especially if you're, the camera's rolling or there's a full audience in front of you and you really have gotten yourself to that point of like, holy shit, I don't know what happens next. That's that's the dragon I'm chasing. I feel like that's part constantly. of the secret sauce, too, of like being a true artist. Yeah. 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 What's next? Yeah. It's the free well, fall. And, and th- but the free fall is hard to tolerate, like yeah. for any human. You can't do it forever. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and there are days when I feel like um, I'm – more open to that and days when it feels like I don't feel so secure and Mm -hmm. I'm not a good artist Mm -hmm. and I'm not Mm -hmm. willing to free fall. Yeah. 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 Vulnerability. But it's all about balance too, I think. Again. Yeah, we got to have both. You can't just always free fall. You can't always be in the secure security blanket. Well, yeah. I mean, you're kind of pointing out like the whole, the human condition. Right. (laughs) You're... Yeah, I mean, the being I think being an artist is like um, like the best we can do maybe is point to our vulnerable human place and just go th- like if anyone achieves anything in artistry that's a moment of sort of uh, you know anti gravity mm-hmm. where it, where it's just like oh this is a moment mm-hmm. and there's you know there's a lot of those in history but it's not like a consistent stream from any one artist mm-hmm. just like oh the song yesterday oh the song, you know, the painting this, you know, like it, it, it's like that represents those moments of that, but we don't have those moments of that without understanding that life is yeah. a vacillation and that we're not always there. Yeah. 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 Well, it's the preparation, right? And it's like preparation, training, life experiences. It's all that we had 
Eric Arvold, a wonderful human and cra- casting director oh, who was yeah, on this show, and she she made a point. It's like, and we're just more specifically talking about an actor on set, but it's job for job. It's like it's all about the preparation, and we have to prepare <laughs> a mountain of preparation, a mountain, mm-hmm. and then when it's time to actually do the art, you get to the top and you jump off and you free fall, uh, and then that free fall, you don't know what happens, but. If you don't prepare that mountain and you only prepare about, you know, a little eight foot hill, you're just going to jump off and break your neck. You know, like you have to, you have to, and I feel like, again, it always comes back to us spending a lifetime as artists and being successful, spending, doing our art every single day. All that is preparing the mountain, right? Mm, And then we find the moments where like, this is my opportunity to do the art. And mm-hmm. I've prepared, and now I'm going to free fall. I love Beautiful. That. Mm-hmm. So what we've been doing with our guests is I've been, at the end of the episode, I do some rapid fire, free association. Oh, yeah. We're just, I want you to give me, like, it's in the spirit of what we're talking about right now. I want you to improv, hey. be in the moment, hey. whatever pops into your brain. There's no judgment here. What's your favorite pie? Pumpkin. Pumpkin. Pe- peanut butter. Oh, yeah, duh. I knew that about you. I think mine's like either apple or like strawberry rhubarb. Okay. Um, pet peeve. Mm, people who stop before they turn right on you the road. Stop before they turn right? Like oh, without they like They don't just slow down. They s- kind of stop. Uh. I call them the stop and turners. Okay, so <laughs> chocolate or vanilla? It depends on the, the vehicle, right? So, like, let's say ice cream, vanilla, vanilla. Uh, look, guilty pleasure. Uh, Golden Age of Television, and Raisin Toast, and Harry Styles, Smashing Pumpkins. Okay, so Stephanie <laughs> has a show coming up in January. January fifth. January fifth. Pink Mercury. Pink Mercury. Where Where is it going to be? One World West in Asheville. West. I keep hearing about this venue. I need to go over there. Where do people find Hacker Chronicles? Wherever podcasts are presented. Michael C. Hall is starring in the second uh, oh, season cool. of the Hacker Chronicles. That's amazing. Which yeah. is pretty cool. He's in the second season, not the first season. Um, but I think both seasons are great. Cool. Yeah, um, go check out Stephanie, a.k.a. Chloe Taylor. Her her reels are hysterical and amazing. And, yeah, you got to go see some of her work. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stephanie Morgan, for joining us on Head in a Box this week. Um, I'm your host, Kellen Watson. And I'm Murphy. We had a lot of fun today. We'll see you next time. Enjoy the journey. Yeah.